So that'll be Gospel of John chapter 15. We'll start off in verse 1. Let's pray. And let's read, I'm sorry. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. In these beautiful 11 verses, Father God, we just pray that you speak to us. Pour out your spirit upon on us all, Lord. Father God, we just want to hear from you this morning. And this wonderful word here that some of us have read before, and maybe some of us have not. We just pray that you just bring newness, speak to us clearly this day, Lord. Meet us where we're at, so that you may be glorified in all. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I love this passage. And I know you guys heard me all the different, I, every time you guys hear me, I, oh, you, you love every passage. Yeah, that's true, but I love this passage. You know, it's a wonderful reminder, you know, because in our, in our daily walk, the bottom line is, is Christianity is, is our relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That should be the number one priority in our life, right? That should be, I mean, for us to grow, as we, as we read this passage, nothing, nothing should get in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, right? Not, not, going, not going to church, which is very important, don't get me wrong. The church shouldn't, be, shouldn't be, go before him. Uh, a, a pastor, your favorite pastor's leadership, nothing should go before our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, as, as I was reading this, when Pastor Pat asked me to come up here, I was asking the Lord what, to, uh, what, to, what he wanted me to teach on. And he just kept talking about, in my heart, he kept talking about, tell him that I love him, and I want him just to, just to be at my feet. You know, I, want him to, I want him to abide in me. So, Right away, just this passage came up to me, and as I was reading it, I was thinking to my, you know, to myself. I wonder where, in our Christian walk, if we were to, like, rank importance, if you if you if you can say that. Where is our relationship with Jesus Christ? Where do we put that in our lives? Is it in the middle? You know, hopefully not. Is it a, is it a, or is it number one? 
You know, is it number one? And, and so the Lord has been really speaking to me because this passage here is, is teaching us about the relationship with him and the, and the key to Christian living, right? Our spiritual health, uh, everything relies on our relationship with Christ Jesus, our union with Christ. And as, as we look at this, how he compares the vine and the branches, he's saying we, we must produce fruit. We must produce fruit. I mean, the Lord Jesus, he's, he's right here in his words, he's telling us we must produce fruit. You know, and, and the thing about that is that, that and I think uh, this morning in the, in, the, in the announcements that was said in prayer, uh, in worship it was also prayed, prayed uh, many things for some reason distract us in our relationship with the Lord. So many things goes on in our lives that, that we tend to start putting the Lord Jesus down the list of importance, right? No, but no matter what, if, if we're honest with ourselves, when we start neglecting Christ, our time with Christ, so, more time sooner than later, emptiness comes in our lives. Loneliness comes in our lives. We start feeling uh, uh, burnt out. We start feeling defeated, right? And as Christians, the Lord wants to bless us, right? The Lord truly wants to bless us. And as Christians, we should be the ones being able to know the joy of the Lord. Right? I love these worship songs that were picked today because I was thinking about that as, as I was worshiping the Lord. Right? Nothing, absolutely nothing. I mean, if, even if you look in our passage, we're not going to go that far, but even if you look at verse 16 of chapter 15, he says there, You did not choose me, but I choose you, and appoint you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. He chose us. However that works, that's his thing. He's sovereign God, right? That's another topic, right? However he does that, he chose us for us to know the Lord here. He chose us. So this message this morning, I, I, I entitled it, Fruit Should Remain. It should remain. For us to be able to uh, uh, have this personal relationship with the Lord, we have a wonderful, uh, he says in verse 16, right there, he says that uh, you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Uh, he wants to bless us. He wants, to, wants that relationship with him. And it's an awesome passage. And Lord willing, uh, he'll speak something new into our lives here. But Jesus wants to fill our life with joy. He truly does. He died on the cross for our sins. You know, he gave, you know, not, not just for our sins, of course, to be saved. But he wants us to have a, a, a victorious living life, a wonderful life on this side of heaven, too. Right? And as Christians, we are to represent that joy in the Lord to non-believers or even our brothers who are, are, are you know, are, are struggling right now, All right? So, Lord willing, we'll, we will read this passage, and we'll, and we'll see what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Now, in context, 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 right? Chapter 13 to 17 is, is this final, uh, is this, uh, the last message to the, to the disciples. Here, Jesus is alone with the disciples, and like I said, it's from 13 to 17. And if you notice here in verse 1 of chapter 13, if you go back a couple of chapters, when he starts this, it, he says here, Now before the feast of the Passover, and when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. Just, I mean, you could just read right over that. He loved his disciples to the end, down to the, when he went to the cross. His heart is, and his mind was on his disciples. And he still has that for us. 
He's always looking at us. He's always wants relationship, and he's always uh, uh, he's always wanting to be able just to bless us. Always want to guide us, right? And I love that verse. It tells a lot here in chapter thirteen. Going into that, he's telling them, he shows them how to be servants, how to be humble servants, right? And that that's what it's expected to be able to serve others. Yet when he's reading that, he tells them he's leaving. Now I'm leaving you now, and now they start they start to stress. They start, oh, where are you going? All right, where are you leaving? You know, I you know we. We can't imagine, I can't, I mean, here's God himself walking with them for three years, seeing all the stuff, and now he's saying, I got to go. I mean, they had this little, like, comfort zone, right? And he's telling them, I'm going to leave. But he tells them, he tells them, but I'll be back, all right? I'll be back. Don't worry, I'll be back. Don't let your heart get, don't get your heart get broken. I will be back to you. I will be back. And he's always encouraging them like he encourages us every day, all right? And then he says, but you know what? I'm going to send you comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will reveal many things to you. You know, as, as I read that and we continue to read this, you know, I can imagine Harry, he's leaving, and I think back, now looking back in my life, how, how God has always, and I believe most of you guys as well, he's always been there. Even when we didn't know the Lord, he's always been there for us. You know, and now that I know the Lord, I look back, oh my gosh, I can't believe I... I <laughs> I live this my like my life before without the Lord, so I could imagine the, uh, how they felt. I really can. I mean, I could really feel it now when those times up and downs in my life. All right. So here, Jesus in verse fourteen, uh, chapter fourteen. I'm sorry, verse thirty-one. It reads, "But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do." Arise, let us go from here. So here on that on, on the end of chapter 14, he's taking his journey to the cross. He's going to the cross. He's going he's gonna, to uh, uh, go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's gonna be, uh, go in front of the Pilate, and he's going to go to the cross and die for our sins. And that's where we are right here, right? Now, like I read in verse 1 of chapter 13, it's the feast, right? And here... It's possible that when they were passing through the temple gate during the feast, that on the gate you see this big golden grapes on the doors, right? Because the doors are open, and they're about to uh, uh, be able to have for the Passover. Now the grape, the vine has always been the symbol of the nation of Israel. It's always had. When you read through the text, it always has. And they, and they knew this. The, the people, they, they knew this. Now I'm going to read from Psalm 80, uh, 80 chapter, uh, verse 8 to 9. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root and to fill the land. So here in the psalm here, he's talking about, they, he describes them as the vine. Right? He describes them as the vine. So they know this now, right? Now here we go. We're coming into it. And they're walking by. They're getting, he's ready to go to the cross. Now here in chapter 15, as you, it starts off the I am. This is the seventh I am statement in the Gospel of John, all right? Seven times he says, I am. Seven times he states it. John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here on chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the, the true vine. 
Now, when he's saying here that I am the true vine, in the Greek it says, I am the vine true, right? So if he's saying I'm the vine true, right, he must be saying that there's some faults, right? So here he's saying, Jesus is declaring that I am the true vine and the true source of life. Now, he here he is implicating there's false teachers. They have been false teachers. Now, if you guys could hold your place, and I want to be able just to develop this a little bit. If you can turn to Isaiah chapter 5, and I'm going to read what I read to you guys a little bit here. Isaiah chapter 5. It's always good to see it yourself for the first time or for just to be reminded. Here in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, he says, this is the prophet Isaiah speaking, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Hill. He dug it up and cleared it out with stones and planted it with the choice, choice vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Grapes are no good. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I had expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay its waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up on briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. There it is. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold oppression. For a righteous, but behold a cry for help. And also, I just read this to you. Also in Jeremiah 2.21, it says, Yet I have planted you a, a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? So here we read here in these two uh, sections of the Old Testament, the Lord intended Israel to be a blessing to all nations, right? By expressing his heart to them and that they would know his heart through Israel. He expected fruit. From the get-go, they were supposed to share to the other nations the heart of, Christ, of heart of Christ. All right. So now, one more place we'll look at in Matthew in the New Testament. Please turn to chapter twenty-one, and this is really some good, uh, really important stuff. Before we continue, so we really truly understand what the Lord is telling us. Now, in Matthew twenty-one, verse thirty-three, is Jesus, our Lord, speaking. He's saying here. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage drew, drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. And again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did all likewise to them. So he sent his prophets, the, the history of Israel, right? He's been sending his prophets to, to, to just see the fruit. And then look at this, look at verse uh, 37. 
Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? And here's the part that no matter how much times I read it, it just blows me away. Verse 41. They said to him, that's Jesus, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to the other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. Man, these religious leaders, they knew. They knew what they're supposed to do, right? These religious leaders didn't represent the heart of God to the people, right? They, all, they wanted themselves the power. They wanted to, they made man-made traditions. They were a stumbling block between the people that truly want to worship the Lord. Yet here he's saying a new people are going to come and be fruitful. Brothers and sisters, that's the church. That's the church. We are supposed to be out there and, and, and bless the Lord with fruit, be used by God that way. All right? Jesus here, in, back to, uh, back, going back to John chapter 15, back to what we're going to be reading. He's saying here, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He's saying here that he is the true source, right? He is the true vine. And for now, and his father, now his father, the vine dresser, he has all the, all the responsibilities, right? And the church, which is the branches, they will now bear the fruit, right? Jesus will produce a, 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 is going to produce a fruitful uh, life. And he will be the mediator. First Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You know, when I just started reading this a long time ago when I was new, I was like, well, what is fruit, right? And just, just to make sure, we are, I said, what is fruit? Fruit, by the definition of the Bible here, it says, fruit is what the Holy Spirit brings into our lives by the result of his indwelling in it. That's what fruit is. Okay, before we continue, that's what fruit is. Now, listen. So here, so he's telling them, I am the true vine. Right? We, look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Good old verse 2 here. <laughs> here he's saying here, he cuts off the branches that doesn't produce fruit. He cuts them off. Now, there are theological differences to what is meant by this branch in him that does not bear fruit. And, and I'll read some of them to you. Okay? First one says, believe that there's a false profession that's never been, they had never been united to Christ by faith. Second one is to lose salvation because of failure to bear fruit, which contradicts so many other passages in the Bible. Right, that the believer has eternal salvation. Right? We cannot lose our salvation. Either you had it, or you don't. Number three, a backslider who gets away from the Lord, and because of these things of the world, he fails to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Now, but if you look at this, when you look at that word take away, the Greek word is aerial, which means take away or lift up. Right? If you look at it, lift up. Now, if you look at this section, he's talking to believers. He's talking to believers. 
So to, when I look at this section here, it's it, it saying believers, he's not talking about salvation here, all right? So what he's saying here is that he lifts up those don't, dare, don't bear fruit. He lifts them up. I mean, if you ever go drive through Livermore and all that, you'll see them. You'll see all the, the vine dressers. They're always lifting up all the vines. You don't see anything on the floor. It's nice and clean. They're picking up all these vineyards, all these vines, so that they come out of the sun. They, for they, the ones that are hitting up there, they, they clip it. They, they, God, he lifts it up. You know, my father, uh, who's now with the Lord, uh, he loved, I mean, he, we had fruit. I mean, we had trees. We had roses. My backyard, everybody loved to go in my backyard. My front yard, my dad built, he was a carpenter. He built this beautiful porch over, like an arch over a driveway with a bunch of flowers and stuff. I mean, my father, he, 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 he was talented. And, and I used to watch him. He, he would, we would, we had, we had everything back there. We had tomatoes, we had peaches, we had, we had uh, grapefruit, uh, we had also grapes, we had strawberries, and we had oranges and lemons. I know every Mexican has oranges and lemons, I know. <laughs> I got oranges and lemons right to this day, right? But we had, we had oranges, and you know what he would do? He would always clip them. He, and when it was standing too much, he would always put a stick, lift it up, and we always had good fruit. We had our backyard, everybody loved, and you know, and so I know my father loved to give away this fruit, all right? So I could truly relate to when I, re when I read this, and I read it, and say, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And, and, and that's totally what I, I, it's saying. He's talking to believers. Sometimes we can look at that, this, and it's like, oh, you know? But in this context, wait till we get to verse 6, right? But this is, <laughs> this is some good stuff, right? But I want to encourage those who have, maybe have not felt like they're being used by God. <laughs> he, he will lift, he will always lift us up. He always lifts us up. Now, the second half here, look at the second part of verse 2. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here you see, you can see here, not only as Christians that are serving the Lord, he expects more fruit, right, by pruning. Now, pruning is a very vital part of producing fruit by the vine dresser. It, pruning, what it means, it's, it's cleansing, right? They clip it back, they cleanse it. And, and for they want to be able to flourish. And sometimes as Christians, when we get pruned back, it, it hurts. But you know what? God truly wants to, wants to cleanse those things that get in the way. Now, branches here, they must always be pruned to grow and to be fruitful. You know, if you notice, if you let your tree go, those branches will go into every direction. You know, every direction. And you need to clip them back. And just in, in, this, uh, and just in our lives, as Christians, we can go many directions. We really can. We can go all kinds of ways and, and lose our, 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 our focus on the Lord, right? Our calling to be fruitful. You know, we just uh, cut some of our, our lemon tree. It was crazy. It was going whichever which way. And you could really, you could really see it growing its, its fruit. You know, but as a Christian, like I was saying a while ago, for us to bear more fruit, we, he's going he's gonna to prune us. He's going to cleanse us, right? I was thinking back before I was a Christian. Before I was a Christian, I had, I had football tickets for 16 years. I did the tailgate. I was there all day. You know, that was before I was a Christian, so we, uh, you know, we, 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 we did things that non-Christians do all day. And I was there from morning to night. You know, and, and I only missed one game in 16 years, and that's because I went to a concert. So I went, to, I went to a lot of football. My Sundays were spent. Then I become a Christian. All right? And when I became a Christian, 
one of the first things the Lord pruned for me was going to those football games on Sundays. And I remember getting that invoice. And I said, you repaid to start your season. And I just looked like, oh, I want to go again, right? But I just got saved. I just started reading the word. And, 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 I, and I didn't do it. God knew he had to take that away from me because that would have distracted me. But you know what? And it, for me, I, I love going to the games. Right? That's something I really enjoyed. I worked hard. I felt I wanted to go to the games. But because of that, because he pruned that away from my life, I was able to study. I was able to get in the word of God. I got involved in ministry. I went to a lot, a lot of churches, and God took, and you know what? And that, it got to the point where I didn't miss it anymore. I truly didn't miss it anymore. And, and God, would, God used that time to spend one-on time with me, a, a, a relationship. And that's what he wants to do in all our lives. And, and I'm thankful for it now to this day, you know. So, church, one thing I asked you, what needs to be cut off in your life? that gets in the way of your relationship to Jesus Christ? Is it cable? Is it friends that aren't Christian friends that are influencing you instead of you influencing them? Are there certain hobbies? Certain things that you shouldn't be dangling with? Right? Let the Lord cut it out. Let the Lord cut it out. Let him cleanse you. And you see the fruit that comes out of you, that God will use you in those ways. You know, I want to encourage you for that. But look at verse 3, speaking of cleansing. John, uh, uh, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You could easily go over that, all right? The word of God cleanses us with his love and his grace. On John uh, chapter 13, verse 3. He says there, this is Jesus knowing that the Father has given all things into his hand and that he had gone from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, you're washing my feet? Remember, this is like the lowest servant there is, right? He didn't like that Jesus was washing his feet. Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If you do not, if you do not wash, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed need, needs only to be washed his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of, all of you are, for he knew who would be, betray him. So what he's saying here is, you're already clean. Once you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he cleansed you, he washed you in his blood. Right? And, and what he's saying here is, only your feet, our walk, needs to be clean. Right? Only our, our walk. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe someone needs to hear that. You're clean. You're clean. Don't, don't, don't think you, you can't get serve the Lord or, or, or have a relationship with the Lord. You're clean. You're clean. Now, verse 4. Now, before we hear, uh, hear from end to, for 4 to the end of verse 11, abiding is used 10 times. 
Abide, what the definition of abide is, is to remain, to stay, to settle in. This refers to maintaining unbroken relationship with Jesus Christ. That unbroken, right, he's dwelling in your hearts. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Here we are to be in union with Christ. When you see that abide in me and I in you, he, he wants us to be totally dependent upon Jesus. You know, when the first time I read this a long time ago, I'm not that much into gardening. You know, uh, so I kind of understood what he was saying, abide. I never had that the definition before, but I totally didn't. I'm abide. I can't get that abiding. But, and, and I shared it with somebody else in the past, and, and you know, and he understood it more, and maybe I'll share it with you. You know, it's, 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 like, it's like having your refrigerator, right? If you have your refrigerator, and you, and you put meat in it, you put all kinds of good stuff in it, and that needs to be cold, and the power went out or someone took out that power, right? This refrigerator, and if you open it, and let's it, say the power's gone for two weeks, well, you know what's going to happen with that meat, right? But this refrigerator is depending on that power outlet that's plugged into the wall. That power outlet is like the vine, right? If it's not plugged into that wall, that refrigerator is, does not, is not doing anything. It's not producing cold. It cannot produce any cold whatsoever. And with all the stuff that goes in there, it's gonna get bad, right? So the, if that's not plugged in, that refrigerator is not worth what it's meant to do. That refrigerator might as well be to hold clothes or some, some, a little closet or something. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. So maybe for somebody that might make a little more sense. Right? Otherwise, it's just a box, right? And same as our lives. We need to be, pl- be plugged into Christ Jesus. And that's what abiding means. It means to settle into, into and remain there, right? So, uh, uh, and, it's, and it's good to be reminded, you know what? We cannot do anything without Christ. We cannot produce anything without the Lord Jesus. Our, our relationship would be broken. You know, I'm thinking back when we were going th- in, in, on, on Tuesday nights on a certain passage when, on, in, in Acts, when, if you guys remember, chapter 3, when Peter, when he healed that lame man, right? He healed him. He was on, in front of the be- gate, beautiful, for a long time, and he healed him. He wanted money, but the Lord, through Peter, wanted to heal him. Right? And, and on the end of that verse, on, on Acts 3.12, in the end of it, it says, so when Peter saw, right, all these people were praising him. Whoa, look at Peter and John, right? Look what they did. Yeah, Peter says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why so intently at, look at us as though by our power of godliness we had made this man walk. Peter knew who the power came from. Peter came, he knew it came from the Lord. Right? So what, uh, on this passage, fruit, uh, what he's saying that uh, we cannot produce uh, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Fruit that God wants, we can't produce on ourselves. Sometimes that's what happens in our Christian walk where we get frustrated and stuff. He does not, we cannot produce this work on our own. Not by our works, not by striving, not by the flesh. God produces it through his power, through his might. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, after he's telling them not to be in the flesh, this is Apostle Paul, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Fruit is only produced by a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. We cannot produce without Christ. 
I can't love this kind of love without Christ. I definitely know I don't got patience without that, right? And if you notice in, in the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing he says is love. Because if you don't have love, there's no way you can have joy. There's no way you can have peace. There's no way you can have long-suffering. There's no way you're going to have kindness. There's no way you can have goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. Love is the key. And this is the fruit he wants. He doesn't want to buy our works. He doesn't want us because we don't want, like the, like, the, like the religious leaders here, they want all the attention. He wants us to do this by love. And the only way we're going to do that is by our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Very important verse right there. We cannot do anything without the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and in him bears much fruit. You can see how it's progressing. For without me, you can't do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Here he's saying we are to hold on to Jesus Christ to bear fruit and everything in life. We are to hold on to it. Like the vine's producing the branches, right? Through our trials, through everything, we are powerless without Christ. And no matter what we do in our service, in our, in our relationships, we are powerless. We need to hold on to Christ. We need to hold on to him in our marriages. We need to hold on to Christ to pay for our kids. You know, when, 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 we're, we're, when our jobs or our finances, I should say, we need to hold on to Christ and to be reminded that nothing, none of those things matter more than the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we go through a lot of hardship, you know, our living situations and everything else, but we need to totally just to, to be reminded, I need to, I need to abide, I need to be at his feet. I need to be always to have my, talk to my, to my Father in heaven. That's something we need to continue to be reminded. So many distractions come in our lives. The Lord wants us to live our lives. He wants to live his life through us. The vine or the sap is powerful to be fruitful. You know, I, I was thinking back, on it, and I'll just make this real. He wants us to bear more fruit. He wants us to be a witness. He wants us to share the gospel. You know, I was thinking back on the VBS, and I've been involved with some of the VBS. And, and it happens every year. We announce VBS, and, and there's nobody. There's no volunteers, right? And you, we start to, oh, man, where's the volunteers? You know, where's everybody at, right? And, and, and you, you start getting a little nervous. Oh, what's going on? But, but when we abide in Christ, and, and we, we get ourselves out of the picture, the Lord never fails. I, heard, you know, I wasn't involved this last VBS, but I heard it was a blessing. Everybody came, all the servants came. Children came, parents came, all right? And much fruit, maybe we don't see it right there. Much fruit was, was done that day, all right? Because we st really start praying, we start giving it to God, and God brought all the servants. It, it, gospel needs to go out, all right? And, and that's how God wants to use us through the fruit, all right? We cannot do nothing without Christ Jesus. And that's always been a reminder to me every year in VBS. He always shows up, right? He always shows up. So hold on to Christ. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Here is a warning to those who don't abide in Christ. There's that verse 6 now. You know, on this verse, it also has so many different opinions. You know, but I like what Pastor Chuck Smith says. 
He just says, just abide and let's settle the situation. Right? Just abide. And you don't have to worry about who's getting cast out. You know, no matter what, what people say, just cast out. Just, just abide in Christ. Now, it, it would be irresponsible for me to not mention this. All right? Here when he's saying this, here he's talking about, he's talking about those who have no fruit, that pro- profess Christianity, but there is no change in their life. There's no change whatsoever. Like Judas is a, a great example. There's absolutely none whatsoever. And just, it is impossible for the Lord to come into someone's life and there's no change in the child of God, right? A person in this lifetime that does not change is just totally deceived himself and will be judged just like the nation of Israel. That's something, you know, that must be said. But it's good to hear it now and later on, right? So that's, that's but again, I believe this section is for, for the believers and I believe here he's talking about abiding in fruitfulness, not salvation, right? I, what he's saying here is a believer that gets careless. He gets careless and he loses his testimony. He will lose his testimony if you look at verse 6. Because right? if you look at it, he's not saying in the end of that verse, he's not saying they gather them and throw He's not saying I gather them and throw them. He said they gather them. You know, we live in our Christian life. Uh, our testimony is very important. In, our, in, in verse uh, Corinthians chapter 3, which talks about rewards, on verse 15 it says, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. Man will scoff at us. That's what you, at you, right? Like you can think about King David. King David's a good example. When he committed adultery, you know, when he murdered, they, he had problems with that. David's sin. So again, uh, verse six. Uh, that's what he's talking about there. He's talking about we will lose our rewards in heaven. You know, lose our testimony. Verse seven. If you abide in me and my works abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So here it goes. How do we abide? If you abide in me and my word, we abide abide in his word and in prayer. His word must abide in us, and the most influential part of our life is the word of God. We must know these characters in in the Bible. We must know the stories, the subjects. The word of God is is everything in our lives. The word of God is how how we're going to be able to abide in Christ and stay at his feet. It's, you know, sometimes we can spend a lot of time doing other things, you know, all trivias and watch all these TV shows or, or whatever it is, social networks. But we need to know this word of God. We need to personally know the God of the Bible. We need to know what is mine. We need to know about his heart and soul. We need to really know how God, how, what God is, is he's about. And then here he says, you know, only our personal time with the Lord can do that. Do devotionals, Bible studies, coming here. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of, of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and abolishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And by his words, our desire become his desires. Our prayer life becomes more intimate, and our prayers become fruitful prayers. Right? Our prayers become more bold with boldness, and then you'll be able to see the promises. You'll be able to see the will of the God that come in your life. You know, we will know his heart. We will know our father's heart. You know, I was thinking back before we went on vacation. Uh, my son Elijah, you know, it was his birthday. And we're getting ready to go to, uh, to our vacation, right? And so we wanted, you know, it was his birthday. We kept telling him, hey, Elijah, what do you, what do you want to do for your birthday? Uh, no, nothing, Dad. Everybody asked him. So then I went up to him. Uh, I said, Elijah, let's, let's do something before we leave tomorrow. Let's do something for your birthday. What do you want to do? 
and I, I, I'm blessed to have a wonderful family, good kids. I really am. And now this is child's heart. Right? He looks at me and he says, Dad, I know you love baseball. I love baseball more than football. He says, Dad, I know you love baseball. Why don't we just go to a gays game that you could, that you could like, that you would have fun? I mean, he don't, he don't play baseball as much. as you know, He watches it, but not like, I love baseball. Right? He wanted to take me to a ball game on his birthday. Right? He knew what I love. He knew what I like. And all he cared about was, I mean, Dad, no, let's, you have, let's just take this, go to the game. You'll like it. We'll have fun. I told Elijah, you're, you're not, you're, that's not what you want to do. No, but you like it. Man, I was like teared up, right? That's the heart we should have when we pray for the Lord. We should know him so intimately that we know what his desires of his heart is. Just like, you know, just like my son blessed me. That's, that, is, that is awesome. That blew me away. You know, that, of course, we took him to have ice cream and cake and some other stuff. But, I, but that blew me away. And that, that was the Lord speaking to me about this is, this is, you know, this is how our relationship should be. You should know exactly how I feel about everything. All right. And that's a, and that, I'm blessed. We're all blessed. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Our changed life glorifies the Lord. Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? That's the way we should live our life. We need to glorify God in all that we do. We need to be fruitful. And if you notice, look at the progression. It starts off with no fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and he could, and through our lives, God is gracious. We'll continue to do that. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abiding allows us to experience God's fullness of love. When we experience God, you say abide in my love, he just, we get to experience. Imagine, can you imagine that? Think that for a minute. The Lord of the universe loves you. He loves you. He creator of all this. He knows us intimately. And he loves you. He said, abide in my love. All right? Jude 121, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In keeping his commandments, we abide in love. We need to keep, that's a commandment. You guys read that in chapter 13 in the past, I'm sure. It's a commandment. But what is he commanding? He's commanding us to, to be obedient to God. There's that word again, obedience. All right? Obedience to God. If we're obedient to God, we will always be in his love. When we're, when we're obedient to God, he assures us a, a, a stability in our lives. When we're obedient to God, we have not only uh, spiritual health, also a better physical health, right? Because we, we know the things that we shouldn't be doing. Right? And our relationship with the Lord, it, it, gets, it gets that much stronger, right? Because we are being obedient to God. Just like, you know, we want our kids to be obedient to us, but it, we really get to know him. Jesus, is, remember, think about it. Jesus is, the, is in the Father's will. He's going to the cross. He's going to the cross. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants us to know the joy he, he has in you. Do you know that? Do you know he has joy in you? He has joy in you? I mean, if you look at that, these things I've spoken to you, he's telling us that my joy remain in you. As Christians, we should be the most joyous people there is the, on the face of this earth. 
We have Jesus as, 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 our, as, as, our, as our Savior, our God, our Lord. And he's telling us, hey, I want my joy to remain in you. And he also says that it may be full. He wants it to run over, right? Think about that. You know, Jesus, think about this. Jesus was, joy was to endure the cross so that we may be saved. Hebrews 12, 2, look into Jesus, the author and finisher of the, our faith, who by the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So reading all these, all these verses here, you won't have the joy of the Lord. Happiness is, is based on circumstances. Right? Joy in the Lord, joy having joy is based on our, our Savior, our God, our Lord. So we need to ask Jesus Christ every day to, to refill us. And through our personal relationship, right, to knowing Christ, abiding in Christ, to be in his feet, we need to be able just to have, uh, uh, to know his word. We should be able to have joyous life, uh, a joy, joyful life. Brothers and sisters, God, Jesus totally just wants to be in every aspect of our life. He just totally wants to bless us and he wants us to have joy in him. And many times we get distracted because we're not really abiding in his Christ, we're not in his feet. And here through this 11 verses, He's, he's encouraging us. Remember, he's going to the cross. He's going to be gone now. And he wants to, and as he leaves, he knows they're going to be alone. He knows what's going to happen. He knows they're going to scatter. But he wants them to know that, hey, no matter what, no matter what we go through, no matter what trials, you're cleansed, and I just want you to live a joyous life. Right? So I just want to let you, don't let no one take away your joy. Don't let anything get in the way of, of Christ Jesus in our lives. Right, we, we, God wants to use us, every single, everybody here. And he loves you more than, more than we could ever imagine. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just we thank you, Lord, that you just want to be every, in every part of our life. And Father, we, as we, we look at these passages, Father God, we just pray, pray for everybody here, Lord, that our relationship with you is always the number one thing in our lives. That nothing hinders our relationship with you, the Father. Father, I pray for everybody, including myself, Father God, that the first thing we do in our, in our morning is, is speak to you, and the last thing. So we just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit just totally comes upon us. And Lord, we thank you for this promise, Lord, that all you want is joy. It is to be, have a joyful life, a Christian life. And Father, it's a wonderful reminder that you're in every, you want to be every every aspect of our life. Bless our church, Father God. We pray that you, this, these verses are encouragement because they're from you. Thank you again, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Now at this.